welcome back to another episode of American Scouser Podcast. I'm your host today, Gordon, and with me are two of our newest members, so I figured we would let you guys introduce yourselves. Uh, we'll start with Chris. How did you start supporting Liverpool, and how did you come to join American Scouser? Uh, so it was actually the week before the 2005 final. Um, I was flipping through the channels as a young kid and just happened to stumble across the Liverpool match and I, I finished watching the match and then I went along and watched the final and ever since the final I just have never stopped watching and I've just grown more fond of the club and uh, I saw Tim's post I reached out to him and here we are today excellent yeah I feel like uh, a lot of people especially in the States, that was like their first exposure to Liverpool was Champions League. It, it was 2005 was around the time that Champions League sort of changed and uh, they really remarketed and rebranded themselves. So it was the first time it got like major exposure in the States. And I mean, who doesn't love a team that comes back from 3 nothing down in the first half? So definitely can appreciate that. And our other new uh, host with us tonight is Irish Chris. So... <laughs> Why don't you tell us the same stuff uh, and how you started supporting Liverpool and also how you came to American Scouser? Uh, well, I'm originally from Northern Ireland. Uh, my name is Chris. And uh, basically, I've been following my whole life um, from I could walk. Basically, it's been football has been uh, in my family for generations, and it's just something that um, <clears throat> for me, it was. it's just been Liverpool. Just since I can remember, even just my first interaction with football, because that was all that was around me. So uh, and yeah, and I, I came across American Scouser um, on Facebook. Uh, I'm a member of LFC Knoxville. Uh, shout out to the crew down at uh, Fens Tavern. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've been involved with a couple of other podcasts, and I, I wanted to sort of <clears throat> that was a while ago. And I wanted to dip my, dip my toe back into it again, so to speak. So uh, I thought this would be a good way to do it. And, uh, yeah, here I am. Excellent. Well, we're happy to have both of you guys on. We can always use the extra help. And who doesn't like talking about Liverpool with new people? So let's drop right in, into it. Um, I figured since we don't have a game this weekend, we'll just kind of bounce around most of the cup competitions and kind of just pretty much just shoot the shit with each other about uh, the, the stuff coming down the pipeline. But the first thing I wanted to kind of dive into, just quickly go over, is like the first stats from the, the first six games of the season and just kind of get you guys' take on it. So right now for most appearances, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We got eight players that have had that have made all six appearances. Uh, Virgil van Dijk, Mohamed Salah, Andy Robinson, Roberto Firmino, Gino Wijnaldum, Fabinho, Trent Alexander-Arnold, and Jordan Henderson. Does that surprise you guys? Is there somebody missing from that? Or what's your guys' take on that? Chris, we'll start with you. Uh, I mean, it doesn't sound like any surprises. I mean, the first team's coming back in after the campaign they had last year. I mean, picking up right where they left off. I would have liked to see Shaq play a little more in the first few games. Uh it's just unfortunate with the, the injury to Nabi. I, I would love to see him get in and to play with some of the first teamers some more. But, you know, injuries have caused that. But I really like seeing Ox come back 
Uh, I think he brings a whole new dynamic to the midfield. I mean, Genie kind of played that role for us a little bit last year when he needed to, and Milner helped out as well. But I just think with Ox being healthy and him coming in, I just it it, it makes me more excited than I think the end of last year going towards the final, just because. You know, that, that goal he scored against City last year, that was just a glimpse of what he has to bring. So I'd like to see him get more time. Uh, Lalana's going to work his way back in, I think, during the cup competition. But, I mean, as for everybody coming in, it's good to see everybody staying healthy other than the one, you know, knock to Allison. But it sounds like he's on a good path to come back here in a few weeks. So hopefully maybe one or two more games out of him and, once he comes back, he can pick up right where he left off. But no surprises thus far. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. I think uh, Chamberlain, I think Oxley Chamberlain, If I really think that we missed him in that final against Real Madrid. I think that we missed a, a, like a bullish midfielder that, that isn't afraid to take a pop from 20 yards or so just to keep the goalie honest. And I think we definitely missed him last year. But, uh, yeah, Genie definitely stepped up and – Last year around this time, I think Shaq was getting the minutes, but he had a really good uh, preseason with us last year, and I think he kind of earned his spots. And he didn't disappoint. It's just, I, you know, there's just better, better options. So I, I think that uh, he, he's definitely one that's looking to get back on the team sheet. So I can see him getting some minutes uh, in the, the coming period. But we'll talk about how crazy it's going to be. But uh, Irish Chris, any anything from that list that uh, – surprises you or anybody that you'd rather see in there than one of the ones I listed? I mean, I think probably the surprise the surprise for me is probably going to be a, is going to be one that <clears throat> controversial. Uh, Jordan Henderson. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't expecting to see as much of Henderson this season, um, mainly because I was expecting Nabi Keita to be coming in, but obviously with the injuries to him and then Fabinho has has cemented that that number six spot. And he's he for me he's the number one name on the team sheet after Roberto Firmino, but um, <clears throat> just seeing seeing Henderson in that more advanced position, and him and, and Oxley Chamberlain and Wijnaldum have been sort of interchanging throughout the start of the season, and they all bring a different, you know, what I like to call a different angle to the game. You know, as you were saying about Oxley Chamberlain, he's more direct. He likes to go straight at the goal. There's no messing around. Henderson likes to pull out to the side and, and, and whip that that diagonal ball across to the back post. <clears throat> and then you were talking about Shaq. He likes to cut in from the left. So a lot of those players <clears throat> that we've been talking about, you know, it, it's given us it's given us different angles. But I think with Henderson and Nabi Keita, I think if Keita was fit, we wouldn't be seeing as much of, of Jordan Henderson. Yeah, it, it sounded like that was the initial plan, but but uh, obviously the the um, injury derailed them. But it seems like the three of us are are pretty much in agreement that uh, we we like to see Navi, and we we think that he's probably the the fit that Klopp wants to go for. Yeah, for sure. Oh, absolutely. I his time in Leipzig and him running box to box every game is is what Klopp wants him to do, and I mean. That's what we're going to want him to do as well. And his his timing on the ball and the way he maneuvers around defenses is just, it's great to watch. The skill with his feet is amazing. He just needs to stay healthy so we can see it on the pitch. 
I think that's right. I, I have to I have to put a bit of that down to the Cup of Nations, and I'm not getting the proper break. I think he was rushed back. I think being the type of player he is, he, he wants to play football. So even if he wasn't 100 percent going into the Afcon, um, he's going to say he's going to he wants to play anyway for his country. So I, I think that the not being allowed to sort of recover from the injuries he's had, and they're not bad injuries; they're just little niggling injuries that keep coming back. And I think it was a similar thing with Joel Matip um, coming across from Germany and coming across from a different league. For his first season and a bit, he had the same thing. It was all these mm-hmm. little niggling, niggling injuries. And I think it's just a case of getting up to pace for the Premier League. Um, and, I, and like I said, with, with Henderson, you just never know when he'll, his heel is going to give in. You know? Um, so I'm hoping... You know, he, he's going to stay fit and, and, and continue the form he has because he's like a new, a new player uh, playing in that more advanced position. Oh, yeah. It, especially, <coughs> we didn't sign anyone over the break. And so it kind of is that new position. And Oxley Chamberlain is almost a new signing. So, and actually, speaking of the AFCON, uh, the, his coach, the Ghanaian coach, was actually fired because he breached the fair play and or whatever constitution of, of the country by playing multiple unfit players, which yeah. in the list was like four or five players deep and one of them was Kata. So obviously he wasn't good to go and, and you know, he put aside his he risked his players' health to, to win the game. So yeah, that's definitely something to talk about. But you did mention uh Matip, so I'll go into the next one. The the most surprising step for me, well I guess it's not so surprising, but um, our midfield doesn't have any goals this year. So it's uh, we got Sadio Mane with four, Mo Salah with three, Joel Matip and Roberto Firmino with two each, and then Virgil van Dijk and Divac Origi, who really hasn't seen as much of the pitches I thought he was going to this year, but he, he's already netted a goal. So his, uh, his time per goal ratio is, is just so high for us. But to have two center backs and then four forwards are the, are the only scores. Does that worry you? I know that a lot of people talk uh, about how we don't have a midfielder or a midfield that's capable of scoring goals. Do you think that we need to add that, or do you think that the midfield is doing what it needs to do and our forwards are just good enough to, to knock the goals in? Uh, Chris, we'll start with you. I think the goals will come, I think, as, as we get along, and especially once they get – back into a rhythm after the international break. Um, plus, you never know with injuries, you know, with Nabi, for instance, like we were just talking, but I'll go back to Chris's point about Henderson and his health. You know, if Henderson goes down and we're forced to play Ox, um, I think that he's one of those players that is going to go, like you said, straight towards the goal and take that shot every opportunity that he has a chance. And as you do that, the rebounds start coming out. Maybe some of the poachers hit it. Maybe Genie's in there or, you know, Milner. If Fabinho gets to play more in the box on the corners, it would be great. But he's holding him back towards the midfield, which is just as great. But I think the goals will come. I think it's just a matter of everybody getting back into the groove of playing with each other. Get back after the break and let's hit the road and let's go. But I believe they will come. That's a, I like that point. Yeah, I agree with you. I think eventually, you know, they're going to get in into the goals. Irish Chris, how about you? Is there? Uh, I think it's a misconception. 
I think it's a big misconception. If you look at um, the contribution of our midfielders and when they score their goals, as opposed to how many goals they score, you look at the, the game against Barcelona, two goals from Gini Wijnaldum. Yeah. You know, you have to remember as well, Gini Wijnaldum was a 20-goal 20 goal, 20 goal season player at Newcastle. You know, and he's playing in the deeper role, so he likes to get forward. He likes to score goals, but it's the way we play football. Roberto Firmino drops deep, and what that does is that pushes our two midfielders, Genie and Hendo, or whoever the combination is, and it pushes them wide. And they go at the end, and they're actually um, supporting um, Trent and Robbo on either side. So the chances for them for those rebounds aren't there because they're the guys whipping the ball in or setting that up. Um, another thing as well is Sadio... Firmino and Mo are all such good finishers that we're, we're not getting rebounds because we're scoring right. goals. You know, so I, I think that that plays into it as well. You know, so you know you have to take into account that you know in a season where Mo's going to bang in thirty goals, that the ten of those that would have been panned off for the keeper or come back off the post would have been knocked in by Hendo or Genie running in or Oxley Chamberlain that are hanging around on the on the, the edge of the area. You know? So there's there's a lot of factors in that and I think and because it's because they're not scoring fifteen and twenty goals a season, because our strikers score so many goals, uh, I think it's a misconception that, you know, we need to have midfielders scoring goals. It would be nice. But if you look at our goal ratio compared to the rest of the teams in the league, it's not any lower. So I don't see a problem. Yeah, it sounds like sounds like we're all in agreement that it, it's not a it, you know as as much as the pundits like to talk about the lack of goals from the field, especially when we're always compared to City, who have such a uh, a vast array of uh, Arsenal in their in their midfield and players that can finish. Um, I think that I think that we're fine, and I think you're right. I think that the the way that our top three are poachers as well, that any rebound is pretty much scooped up by one of the other two. So, and and as you pointed out, I mean they've scored some big goals. They've come up and and scored big goals when we need them too. So I'm I'm also not worried. I'm with you guys in that one. But just something that always seems to come up and and sort of bothers me when I see it on on neutral sites. So I wanted to bring it up and see if anybody had any other points, but. I'm gonna skip over assists because, that, you know, with the recent controversy with my, my <laughs> it's been talked about too much. So we're gonna skip over that. But I'll uh, I'll finish off this little section and ask you guys a question of what you think is the most surprising. So is it more surprising that Trent Alexander has the most chances created in the league by four, or that Sadio Mane has the second most tackles with nine? Tuck. Oh, oh. Uh, I think I don't. I do think this. The amount of tackles he's had so far, okay, but I'm not surprised that he has them. Does that make sense? Right. I would agree. Think? I would agree to that point because you know, it it makes sense. He's the only you know between Mo and and Sadio. Sadio's the one that's going to come back and help try to take it back. The other yep. way, uh, more than Mo, um, and I mean Trent. What else can we say about this lad? He is just—he <laughs> does what he wants out there, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh yeah. 
Oh, this sounds, sounds like we're all in This might be an easy podcast. It sounds like we're all in agreement. <laughs> That's the one for me as well as the, as the tackles for Sadio. So we'll move on to the next one. Uh, obviously, the I don't know if you guys saw it. You most likely did. But the uh, 29-man roster for the Champions League was selected by Jurgen Klopp. Uh, included 22 members on the eight squad and the or sorry a list and seven players on the b list which is just uh 18 year olds and yeah. younger so that have played for two years on the on the team um initially for me the biggest surprise was uh Hoiver, the center back the kid that everyone's been talking about was not included um and i saw that Allison and Navicato were both included in that squad is there have you guys looked over it is there any surprises or any Shouts that you think that we should have brought on, or or people that you're surprised that we we did bring on. Um, I think yeah, I, I gotta agree with you on the on the uh, uh, is it Jenna Hoover? Um, yeah, yep. I, I I was really surprised not to see his name on it. Just just being that it's been such a big part of the uh, the preseason. Um, he looks the business. Like he absolutely looks the business. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe he's needed elsewhere for other things, and maybe he's just. Maybe there's an injury we don't know about. You know. Um, maybe there's, there's just too. It's not worth the risk, or maybe it wasn't. He's not homegrown. Whatever. You know. That slot maybe it was between him and somebody else for that homegrown slot, and the homegrown player is going to get it. You know. They keep that code up for you. Um, but no, I have no surprises. I mean, I think we all kind of know what our sort of our A string is and our B string is, you know. And um, and and I think as far as Europe goes, it's not the type of place you want to take risks. I mean, Carabao Cup, FA Cup, sure, Champions League isn't a place to take risks. So I, I can see why maybe certain players were left out and, and why Hoover was left at home. But I was surprised not to see his name. Yeah, I agree with that point. And, you know, you talk about the list. You look at the midfielders, you see a couple games where, you know, Henderson, Milner can get a night off and you can slot in Oxlade-Chamberlain and and another partner in the midfield, especially at a home game and against a lower a lower draw player in the group stage. But other than that, I mean, hopefully there's not an injury underlying, like you said, um, but you never know. The club's going to do, and Klopp's going to make the decisions he's made. And we all have followed him thus far, so we just have to continue to trust him here now. That's it. Yeah. Sorry. Just another thing on Hoover as well. Um, I, I got some buddies back in Liverpool, and we, we talk about it a lot. And he, he was mentioning that Hoover's, Hoover's very much sees himself as a centre back. Um, and. And I think going forward, that's the position he's going to play. Um, maybe it could be a case of he doesn't want to play right back, and there's no space for him as a as a centre back in the squad. Yeah, because we we took uh, Van Dyke, Matip, Gomez, and Lovren, and I know Go- Gomez does can spend some time and has spent some time over on the right, but uh, you know he prefers to play centre back. So yeah. you've got four centre backs that are pretty much starting over him. And to that point, if does the sale of Lovren change the roster? It, you know, if we would have gotten rid of Lovren during the transfer window, does he make the list then? I mean, we just we'll never know. 
but I, I just hope it's not an injury. I mean, you you would like to keep four center backs on the roster, so I would assume maybe with the sale of Lovren, then maybe he gets that spot. But he, unfortunately, you'd rather go with Champions League experience with Lovren. Granted, whatever risk may came, come with that, but at that point, he's choosing experience over youth. Yeah, I think it's a smart move. You know, it's not... it's. You know, it's it's not easy to go away to say the San Siro or you know a, a stadium like that or you know somewhere in Turkey, Galatasaray, Fenerbahce. Those places are mental. You know, and you know as a young kid, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old, when you all you've been doing is playing under twenty three football and going to places like Doncaster and places like that, and then you're thrown in at the deep end. You know, not only are you playing in the Champions League game, uh, you're playing in front of some of the most hostile crowds in Europe, you know. So take that out of the equation, and you put Lover in there. Yes, okay, you can say whatever you want about Lover, but you know, he's he has his good days and he has his bad days. But you don't have to worry that he's going to be overwhelmed by some firecrackers up in the crowd, mm-hmm. or you know, people giving him stick. You know, so uh, I I think it's a percentage game, and. Um, and yeah, that's what, that's what you lose out, you know, and that's what the kids that's what the kids kinda of lose out in the modern game. Yeah, that's a that's a great point that I think is constantly overlooked. Like these aren't just kids really. I mean even even Trent Alexander Arnold, who has played in two Champions League finals, is on the B list, which, you know, he's yep. one of the young players. Like he still falls onto the B list. And I think that that's lost on fans sometimes. They expect them. Oh, you know, I, I see that they're doing well, and they they can perform on the on the U twenty three pitch, and and you know, play in that Premier League two against you know the Wolves B squad and everything like that, and that's fantastic. But you put them in the hostile environment, I and mean, it it's not it's definitely not easy. I think that's that's a great point. I think it's one that's definitely overlooked by fans. So, with that being said, the first game is October 2nd against Salzburg at Enfield. So, we still got a little bit of time for that. Um, but in other news of the club, we have finally, I, I think it was announced um, at the beginning of August, but it wasn't until Wednesday that the club announced that they would play in the Club World Cup. You can you can pass it up, but uh, we decided to play. And uh, that is going to be December 18th through the 21st. And it disrupts one fixture, which is against West Ham. And most people are thinking that the, that game could be rescheduled to fall between Tottenham and United, which currently is a six-day gap in in January. So you are potentially having Tottenham, West Ham, and Man United all within six days of each other. So do obviously... Do we play a, a weak squad, or do we go there and try and win it? Because if we win it, we're the first uh, English club to to do the European treble. Chris, we'll start with you. I mean, I think at that point it kind of depends on where we're sitting in the table. I mean, if we're where we're at, maybe we could put out a weaker team. But if it's too close to the top, I I don't know. Klopp might might want to push the envelope, but at the same time. He could, I mean, a weaker team, you could just swap out the midfield, put Origi up top, and see what happens. I mean, when it comes to Tottenham and United, 
Are they away or at home? Uh, that is a good question. I think uh, I was I think trying I to look Tottenham it up. Away and United at home. Tottenham away, United at home. I think that's the that's the fixture. And then it's at West Ham. Yep. So you got two road games and then a home game. So if I'm Klopp, I'm putting a strong team out against Tottenham and a stronger team out against West Ham. And then giving a couple players a rest at home, letting the fresh feet come in at home where they're comfortable instead of putting them in a harsh environment like Tottenham Stadium or or at London Stadium if it's where West Ham's playing now. But I just, in, in my eyes, that's how I would do it. Um, but you always have to worry about fatigue, and you never know what injuries are going to happen between now and then. So, I mean, it's I wouldn't like to see it put into that just because I think it's so hard on the players when they have to reschedule games like that. But the FA is going to do what the FA wants to do. So, yeah, Chris, I want yourself. Do you think, you think it's uh, more complex than where we're at in the league, or do you think that's a good analysis of, of the team that we decided to field? Yeah, I think, I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, as, as far as um, the Club World Cup goes, I mean, yeah, it would be nice to go and win it and, and bring it back and all that kind of stuff, but I mean, does it really matter? I mean, uh, I, I think it's a great opportunity to, to you know, to send some kids over there, some of the second string, um, and, and let them get a bit of glory. Uh, I think they're good enough. I mean, the teams that go to these competitions really... I mean, apart from the Brazilian sides, there's really no other teams there that are worth anything because it's, you know, like the winners of the Australian version and the Asian version, and you've got like the Middle East, and they're all teams that we should be beating with our second string anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, apart from the, the likes of Brazilian teams that come over, or the likes of River Plate and Cruzeiro and all those other teams. Um, yeah, I, I, I think we, we, we send. A B team, uh, and because well, where is it this year? It's Qatar, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Again, all that travel. Yeah, yep. You know, uh, it, it's a lot of travel as well. So especially over the Christmas period when it's the busiest busiest time of the season, um, you know, the jet lag and all that kind of stuff has to be taken into account. So I, I think he sends a second string uh, with maybe one or two stars, and then uh, we go from there. Yeah. Hey, well, it sounds, again, sounds like we're all in agreement with that one. I'm not too, uh, I'm not too keen on the club rule. Obviously, silverware is silverware. I'd love to lift it. I'd also like to be the first English team to uh, to cement the European treble. It just makes us, again, like pretty much cements our... our Superiority. Yeah, our title <laughs> as uh, the best team in Europe. So that, that would be great to have. But, uh, I mean, if we could do it with the second string, which is definitely possible... And you get the likes of the Shakiris and the Irigis, a couple of full 90 minutes. I mean, that makes everybody happy. And then they can Go win a Brewster out there and let him run around the pitch for 90 yeah, minutes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Let him go out there. what he's supposed to be about. Yeah. Sam Alamalana, he can yeah. close on his way into the net and everybody will be happy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Well, that's a great transition, too, because uh, the next thing I want to talk about is the domestic cups. We were 
uh, drawn against MK Dons in the third round of the League Cup. That's on September 25th. And uh, obviously, this has been a point of contention since Clock has taken over, and we've kind of stepped aside from really challenging for these the domestic cups and kind of uh, put a really weak side out. And it, we've also last year we were kind of unfortunate in in the sense that we drew Chelsea and uh, Wolves, who almost were both the semifinal or the uh, the runners up in both of the competitions that we played them in. So to get to Premier League teams in the first round of, of both competitions last year is a little unfair because we didn't put great squads out there and kind of disjointed. But um, with that being said, if we do a deep league run, and obviously we have the FA Cup in January, it's going to be 36 games in 148 days. So when they return from international the next international break in January, it will be 348 days. That's a, an average of days, which would have been the Tottenham and United games, and the West Ham United game could be put right over these cups this year, try and, and put some domestic silverware under our backs, or do we just let these go to the wayside and, and just start off with a, a weak team, a weak side and then keep with that weak side. And if we get knocked out, we get knocked out. So Chris, we'll start with you. Uh, I mean, personally, I would like to see some silverware. I mean, I think, like you said, most of us would all like to see some silverware. But at the same time, we want the league. I mean, it's been so long. We, we want the league. So you can throw Brewster and Shakiri and – Give Harvey Elliott a, a run out there. Let him go out and run around for 90 minutes and see if he can make a bit of magic. You know, you, you go out and you do what you can. You may not want you may not want to come out and say, yeah, I, I want to win this game, but or I don't want to lose this game, or however you want to put it, but let the youngsters go out. Let Lalana go out. Lawvern and Gomez can go out and play. Let them get out there and play. Let them show you what they have. You never know what happens if we, like you said, you make that deep run in all those games in so many days. If you can get the youngsters out and get them, get their feet wet, you never know what they can produce at the end of the year. Look at what Origi and Wijnaldum did. You know, Origi didn't play much throughout the year, but when he came on at the end of the year, he made his moments count. And it, it, those moments throughout the game at Everton, with the double doink goal. I mean, things like that, they all add up to the end of the year. Once you get to that deep run, you never know. You may have a cup final one day, and then six, seven days later, you got another cup final. But the more experience the kids get out there and the more they can play, I feel the better we can get. Do I need silverware to be happy? No. I think if the players go out and they give it the best shot, if the results don't fall, football's a cruel sport. But... It, the dominoes are going to fall. You just have to go out and manage your players the best that you can. And I think, it, ultimately, I would hope that the fans would understand that. But Well, I can say that uh, if you've been a fan since 2005, then, and you're still a fan, then obviously it doesn't take silverware to, to make you happy. So Right. 
Uh, Irish Chris, how about you? What do you think? For these Little salt in the wounds there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, self-deprecation. It's it's honestly until maybe the middle of not last year but the year before, where I really felt that that Liverpool had, had turned the corner and started going. Um, I it was that pessimism that I still find myself every once in a while. It's it's getting a lot better, but. It's oh, this is gonna happen to us again. You know the yeah. the ball incident in Sunderland. It's it's just you know it's woe is me and and it's almost like you we as Liverpool fans we set ourselves up for failure before it happens so that we let ourselves down a little bit easier. We're just so used to to always kind of looking at the past and trying to compare ourselves. I mean, a team that starts Davin Nagog next to Veronin. And, you know, we go to some <laughs> shit place in the middle of nowhere in the Europa League final. I mean, if you really, why did we put all of our hopes and dreams on those guys' shoulders? I don't know. But, you know, Jay Spearing in the middle of the field, that's just, we've seen some awful times. So <laughs> it's not like that anymore. But uh, it, it, you can't help every once in a while just kind of setting yourself up for failure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll see you, Jay Spearing, and we'll see you. Uh... A Sean Dundee. Um, yeah, it, it, it's here's the thing. When I was a kid growing up, and, and I'm 41 years old, so when I was a kid, the big the big trophy in the world was the FA Cup. Like the FA Cup was a thing to win, and somewhere along the line, it just lost its luster. I think when it lost it, when the Cup Winners' Cup disappeared from Europe, and there was no route in Europe through all this kind of when they changed all the rules, basically. Uh, the FA Cup lost its luster, and it was all about the Champions League and the Premier League. Um, so I don't really care about the FA Cup anymore, although it, it, it's a nice little nostalgia thing for me. But um, for me, if we're going to win a cup, let's get the Carabao Cup. You know, the final is in, like, February or something like that. You know, it's the middle of the year. Right. It's where it's getting really, really, really tough. Um, you know, everybody's having to dig in. Winning a trophy then, it worked for, you know, it helped City last year. They kicked on after that win, you know. But here's the thing think, think about this. When was the last time somebody truly played us off the pitch? Like, really give us a good beating. Because here's the thing last City, last year in the league when we lost to City, the 2 1, that was a tight game. The game we lost to Wolves, that was a tight game. The game we lost to Chelsea, that was a tight game. And the game we lost to Barcelona, we were all over them like a tramp on a sandwich. Huh. You know what I mean? And they just managed to score three goals, and Messi just does what Messi does. You know, and they just managed to score three goals. But they didn't play us off the pitch. So I'm fully expecting that every game we go into, that we're going to win. Because that's how we are. We give everybody a goal. Nobody has been able to play us off the pitch. I mean... <clears throat> It's the I think the last proper beating we got was City five one. Yeah, they're trying to even. You know, like proper spanking I think was that game. You know, and I mean, oh well, maybe the no, not even the European Cup final, because we were kind of in it for a little bit, but yeah, we kind of get spanked on that as well. But but that's what I'm saying. There's nobody really out there. You know, and just on the day, these teams are getting the calls or they're getting lucky or for whatever reason, somebody makes a mistake, you know. Um, but all in all, I don't see us losing to anyone. So I fully expect us to win everything we play for. But for me, if we're going to go for a cup and it's a domestic cup, concentrate on the Carabao Cup, you know. It'll get everybody into the groove 
early in the season, you know, and then give everybody a little boost for the for the remainder of the season, you know. And if you know the FA Cup doesn't start until January anyway, you know, if we get a run in that, we get a run in that. But I'd rather have a run in the Champions League. That's a, that's a great point because it did. That's pretty much where City bounced from because they, I didn't they they dropped points right. They dropped points after us too. I'm pretty sure didn't they? Yeah, they, that, dropped, they dropped points on the run up. I think they dropped points the two games before that final. Oh, you're right. You're right. It was uh, it was Newcastle and Palace. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then they won that, and then they didn't lose again until uh, they well they didn't. They didn't even tie a game until they just tied Tottenham, so it broke like a 15-game winning streak for them. So yeah, I mean yeah. that's the power of that mid-season trophy. That definitely is a boost, and it, it gives you those, those extra legs after one of the most grueling uh, areas and time periods in any of the top five European leagues. So that you definitely gave me hope. I'll say that my, a lot of a lot of pessimism <laughs> washed away. We're sold on the Carabao Cup. Yeah, I mean it's ridiculous. I mean they they do the draw from the back of a Walmart and like random faces, and they get the most random people in the world to do the draw as well. It's like, what is this? Why are you flying me to Thailand to do a draw for an, an English cup? Like it just doesn't make sense. It's, but <laughs> I, I like madness. Um, you know, I, I like players like Bobby Firmino. They have a bit of sort of madman in them. So uh, all the madness going on. <laughs> well, I'm I'm with you now. I'm fully going for that league cup. I've changed my mind because I thought that it wouldn't have been so important. I was sort of where Chris was, where I was like, I I want the league, and I'll these these can go away. One thing a couple of podcasts ago that Kazi asked us was, if you could take the Premier League trophy or the Champions League. The FA Cup and the League Cup. Which one would you take? League. The League. You wouldn't. You wouldn't want three three other cups because I, here's here's I chose the the Champions League, the FA Cup, and the League Cup because you get three trophies in one year plus the UEFA Super Cup. You win back to back Champions Leagues. You're in three consecutive Champions League finals. You become top, joint second for the the most winningest club in Europe, and, like, the league is coming. I mean, yeah. I really feel like it's a matter of time. Like, it, this year, I, it's probably the closest I've ever felt that this could be our invincible season because it almost looks like we haven't even hit that gear that we saw last year. We're just, we're just getting the business done right now. I don't think that we've – I don't think that any of the players, maybe except for Sadio Mane, who I don't think switches off, so it's not fair to say – but I don't think anyone's really gotten into that full rhythm. And, and I know that a lot of them had super busy summers, so it might take a little bit of time. But I, once once we click, I don't think that there's any stopping us this year. But so you guys would rather take the, the Premier League than, than three of the other, the two domestics and the, the European Cup. My reason for taking the Premier League, we've done that cup travel before. We did it in 2001. Um, the um, uh, it was the UEFA Cup, I think it was. Um, yeah. yeah I, you know, it's nice to have more trophies. And uh, for me, that's just more for bragging rights over United. Um, and, and obviously, 
to just to just to stick the boot in even further to Everton. Um, but we haven't won the Premier League, and it's now thirty years since we won our last title. Yeah, I wasn't I, even I, alive when we won know, our last title. You know, I, I, I was there. You know, um, I, I was very up on my knees in it when I was as a thirteen-year-old. Um, you know, I remember the heartbreak of '89 and the and the Michael Thomas goal from Arsenal, but <clears throat> we've never won the Premier League. And until we win the Premier League, we we can't we can't argue back. You know, we can win as many European titles as we want, and we can pretend and we can gloss over the fact that we haven't won the league. But Liverpool win the league. That's what I grew up watching. That's all we ever did was win the league. During the 80s, we weren't allowed to play in Europe. So we just won the league all the time. <laughs> you know? And I think we're now back at that stage where we're the team to beat. And as much as City, people look at City and they look at them winning the league, they bought the league. And it's clear, and City fans accept that and admit that openly. We do it the right way. We do it the Liverpool way. We work hard. We don't go, I mean, yes, we splashed on some big players, but not even in the same realms as the rest of the teams in the league. This season, we were, what, 18th on money spent on players in the summer? You know what I mean? And we're the only team with a 100% record so far. You know? Yeah, it's, it's all about the league. This is it. This is the season. This is the one. <laughs> I think I said the famous words. This is our year. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just settle on that. We'll, we'll win all four of them and then all the drops. Well, yeah, we'll think about that. Yeah. I'm for that. I'm all about it. And we can do it. Oh, yeah. I definitely. If, if there was ever a team, I think maybe we'd need to be a little bit deeper for me to be super confident in winning all four. But it's possible. You get an easy run in. Because. One of the things that I I brought up last year, and I was furious, you know, when because I've I've unfortunately got um, um, some sad uh, friends who are not Liverpool fans, and they're kind of fans of different different clubs and beliefs. So sometimes it's uh it can we can get into some arguments when we're talking and having a couple of beers. But uh, one of the things that I pointed out was last year in both the League Cup and the FA Cup. City just kept they were, it was like Rotheringham United, and then they got Oxford, and then it's like you know, like of course they're gonna even even their their U18 team could have been the only real like, the challenges that they had were uh, they had United in the what was it the semifinal of the League Cup, and then they played Chelsea in the FA Cup final. So it's like those were really only, their only two big challenges. I think they played Leicester, and that was the only other. Um, Premier League team they face in either of those runs. So if you get lucky, you can win the trouble. And then, you know, I really think that we have a good shot this year at the Champions League again, at least making a deep run. So it's possible. It's, it's sort of the luck of the draw, though. I don't see any team that can beat us over two days. I don't either. I think, coming, I think coming to Anfield, I mean, as Barcelona, coming yeah. to Anfield is a completely different monster. I mean, we can go on the road and lose 3-0. But once you step inside of our fortress, it it's no holds barred at that point, and that place gets to rocking, and it it startles people. Ask Messi. Here's the thing: <laughs> yeah, that semi final, 
is other teams saw that they saw that comeback, they saw the part that part of Anfi. Oh, I yeah. was, I, I was, we all look at Bar Fence Tavern here in Knoxville, right? There was eight of us. It was a Wednesday afternoon. There was a lot of people in the group that decided it wasn't going to be worth coming out. I kept telling them, you can't underestimate European night at Anfield. I don't care what team's in front of us, you know? And we did what we do, you know? We did it against Borussia Dortmund as well, mm-hmm. you know? Um, you know, we've done it against Madrid. We've done it against all the big teams. They've all come to Anfield and they've all fallen. And the, the thing is, we go to their stadium and we give them hell for leather. You know, like I said, there's not a lot of teams out there that have been able to play us off the pitch. I think the only team that worries me is Napoli, because I've seen what they can do. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, but in England, I'm not worried about City. I'm not worried about United. I'm, I'm not worried about Chelsea. I'm definitely not worried about Arsenal or Spurs. Nope. You know, like, uh, I can't wait to play Arsenal again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and... And after that show of the weekend between Spurs and Arsenal, I mean... Uh, bring on Spurs, oh, too. Man. Yeah, bring them on. You know, and that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. They had their big season last year, and they fell short. You know? Um, and I think that's going to play on them. And then that new stadium as well. They're not comfortable in that new stadium yet. You know, it's not White Hart Lane. It, it doesn't feel like home yet. You know, yes, it's fancy and it's state-of-the-art, but... There's, well, and you've got a player in the locker room that wants to get out, and their blocking is every move to get out. Yeah. So, I mean, that the atmosphere in the locker room is not what it was last year either. Well, not even the players, the manager. Mm-hmm. The manager's been... Yeah, yeah. For the past 18 months that he wants out, that they're not backing him, that they're not giving him money, that they're not doing all this stuff for him, and that he's unhappy. And he's been saying this for about a year. That has to translate onto the players. Oh, absolutely. Oh. You know, but that's that's a good really transition. I'm not yeah. kicking him out when he's down, but <laughs> yeah, bring him up. I just I wanted the the last the last point I wanted to make was just like some quick fire questions. So it's actually great that we're talking about Tottenham because I, I'm with you. I think that it it's gotten to the point. You know that these things are happening behind closed doors and you know the ultra professionals will come out on the weekends and, and for press conferences and things and kind of shove that down and put that aside and when you start to spill over into press conferences because before that Arsenal game Pochettino it was clearly visible that he was almost making you know Daniel Levy out to be the bad guy and, and in many respects he probably is because I think that if I, I know that a few years ago Tottenham just just spilled and spewed cash and they brought in like nine players and, and it totally disjointed the team and they had this great team on paper but they never got it together and they've sort of been paying for that ever since but I, I really think that if you spend some money with Tottenham they could be a much better team so he definitely does have a point but when you start seeing it in public uh, you know that he's setting himself up to move away and, and obviously that stuff has probably been brewing for for a couple of weeks and maybe even months, uh, probably definitely over the break. So it's, you never like to see it, but uh, it's definitely when they're supposed to be, you know, in the top four uh, and you're also a top four rival, it's uh, it's almost music to the ears, really. You're the European runners up. 
and yeah, exactly. and, and in a matter of what six months, this is or four months, you know, this is where we're at. <laughs> yeah. So with that, real quick, we'll to end it off. We'll do some some quick and fun stuff with uh, with the rest of the team that involve everybody. So just one word answers, and and then you can give uh give your your defending statement afterwards. But Chris, we'll start with you. Most impressive team so far, like somebody that's kind of shocked you a little bit or overachieved in the entire league. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, I'm impressed with Palace being top four at the break. I think they've played some decent football. Uh, Zaha's going to do what Zaha does, but I think Jordan Ayew getting back in that team, they've looked pretty good so far this year for the matches that I've caught. Yeah, I'd agree with you. It's, it's probably a shock that Uncle Roy is up there, but uh, <laughs> I think that they They've got what they can take to, to stay up there. Irish Chris, you? Who's been the most impressive team for you? Uh, us. <laughs> no, I mean, apart from us, uh, I gotta say Leicester. Actually, uh, I think Rogers is doing a half decent job there. Um, I mean, he, he, I think he's most suited to that sort of level. Um, I think Liverpool was too big a job for him, but uh, I think he, he's probably okay with Leicester, and, and I think they're. Even though they won the league a couple of years ago, that was a massive, massive thing. But uh, they've never been top four contenders. Um, I don't think they'll be top four this year, but I think them and Wolves will be battling around for that that sort of six, seven, eight spot. Do you think they make European? Do you think they make the UEFA league this year? Uh, possibly. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, between them, between them and Wolves. Yeah, that I would agree with that. As, as long as we take a point. Sorry, everyone else going for those those spots. I don't care. I think it's funny that we picked the two managers that were at Liverpool and are helping us surround <laughs> City in the league. <laughs> yeah, that's what I know. We we spoken about that in our um, in our group chat, but I don't. If if people out there don't know, it's currently Liverpool, obviously managed by Klopp currently, uh, and then third place. You've got Leicester City, managed by former Liverpool manager Brendan Rodgers, and then Crystal Palace, formerly managed Liverpool Roy Hodginson. So uh, right now it's City surrounded by Liverpool, Liverpool alum. So it's, uh, as long as they take points off of City, uh, they can stay there. That's fine with me. <laughs> All right, so next question is least impressive. Irish Chris, we'll start with you. Who's a shock for you? Uh, Watford. I think they've 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 slowly declined uh, over the last couple of seasons. There's a few seasons there that were great to watch. They were playing some great football, but I think it, the the luster has kind of have faded from them those guys, and I think I think they might be in trouble this year. Yeah, they were also runners up in the domestic cup, so I know they got absolutely hammered by. By city in the last day of the uh, that's a tough one. I think that uh, that Drake is running for. But uh, Chris, tell me you the least impressive team so far. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with wolves. I'm gonna have to go with wolves. Um, you know, you're sitting 17th right now, and a part of me feels like that travel from being in. 
uh, Europa League competition so early in the year is getting them. And maybe that run last year in the Cup is getting to them. But I expected them to bounce back a little better this year, especially the way that they ended last year. But they apparently just can't seem to get it together yet. Hopefully after the break they can and get out there and mesh together, but I, I would have liked to see them a little higher. Yeah, I think that it, we sort of saw it with Burnley last year, too, when they had gotten their European place, and, you know, Sean Dyche is a great manager, and, and I like Burnley a lot, but they just couldn't win. The Europa League is, is way, I feel like it's harsher than the Champions League in the fact that you're going to these hole-in-the-wall places and you don't have a deep squad usually when you make those those competitions. So you're really stretching the boundaries of, of what your your squad can do. And I think that's probably where they're getting at. Because I think they've already had like four uh, UEFA games, haven't they? It's four or five games already? Yeah, I believe, I believe they're somewhere between seven and eight games already this year. Yeah, that's ridiculous. For me, I'm going to get a lot of stick here, but I think the least, because obviously we shouldn't care about them, but the least impressive for me is has been Everton. Um, I, obviously, we all hate them, but I felt like the last two years they've kind of really done their business in the, in the transfer window, and on paper it looks like a really good mid-table team, like you know somebody that could battle for uh, UEFA spot. So I think that they've been just – ultra depressing which is fantastic for us but there is something <laughs> to say for for a liverpool rivalry like when you have the merseyside derby to go in and play a team that's that's actually going to give you something you know it used to be even though they weren't always great uh they had the squad that that was tough enough to put to make it a a, a go and you know it wasn't always a guaranteed win now it's, it's not even a fixture that i look forward to it's just sort of a thing of the past uh, it's so it does suck in that regard, but uh, it makes the banter a lot more easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gotta agree with everyone. Right. Um, they, they they did some great business, but it just doesn't seem to be clicking. You know, physically. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 The la- I mean, the last game that they played, I mean, that it was awesome to watch for a neutral, but. Uh, I mean, it, there was absolutely no defense. It was just pinball, essentially. Just goal after goal. I mean, it was almost two-two within the first fifteen minutes. Yeah. You just you're not going to win much if if that's what you're doing on a weekly basis. There's no reason to have much What was that? So there's a reason your trophy cabinet's empty. I haven't figured that. <laughs> All right, so the last last question I got for you is who's the, after the four? I, I know that we made our, our prediction on the podcast uh, before the season started in, in the um, the season eve podcast that we did, but after the first four games, who do you guys think are going to get relegated? Chris, you can go ahead if you'd like. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll start off and I'll, I'll say my my three right now would be Newcastle, uh, Watford, 
and probably Villa. I don't think Villa has. I think they'll be exciting. I think they'll take some some points off of the big six teams, but I, I don't think they're going to stick around. Um, yeah, I think Watford. Uh, I think Norwich are in trouble, um, and I think possibly possibly Southampton. Yeah, I was looking at it. I'm, I'm thinking Southampton too. I know they're 13th right now, but it's just something something about that. Just it, I have a feeling that this year may be the year that they don't get to walk that line, and they go down. Uh, I see Watford going down as well. I actually see Villa being the one that kind of gets nitty gritty towards the end of the year and, and steals a couple points here and there, especially at home. Uh, so I'm going to go with uh, Norwich, South uh, Southampton, and Watford going down. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I think it, it really could be anyone. I really, I think that this is going to be a super tight race for everyone that's not in the top two. I think, I think that's uh, <laughs> probably from seven down to 20. Is, there's not going to be too many points between those guys. So. Well, now that you've, you've set it on a pod, and this will be up tomorrow, so you will forever be held to those predictions. So, boy, oh, well. you know where to find them if, uh, if you got some bones to pick. <laughs> <laughs> with that being said, you guys got any closing comments? Chris, we'll start with you before we close out the podcast. I just want to say thanks for having me. It was a really fun time. I'm glad I finally got to sit in on one of these, and I can't wait to do another one again. Excellent. Looking forward to it. Irish Chris, how about you? Any closing comments for the, the fans of American Scouts here? Yeah, um, absolutely delighted to be involved. Um, good hanging out and chatting with you guys. Hopefully I'll have all my microphone issues sort of next time. Um, yeah, and uh, looking forward to it again. And uh, can't, wait, can't wait for the football to come back. Excellent. Yeah, what are we going to do this weekend? We'll find out. That being said, uh, Liverpool's next game is against Newcastle on September 14th, and it is the early match on Saturday. So, Central. So, we got a whole whole week to wait to just absolutely spank the crap out of Newcastle. But hopefully, it's well worth the wait. You guys have been great. I appreciate it. Uh, if you guys out there could like, follow, subscribe, give us some feedback and comments, we definitely appreciate it. Um, and if you guys have other uh, predictions and, and think that we are full of shit, then you're absolutely right. But please <laughs> comment and comment on the the, uh, the Facebook page and get involved in our groups. We're pretty much in, in most of the uh, Liverpool supporters groups on Facebook. So thank you guys, and we'll talk to you next week.